Welcome to the Paranormal News Insider for the week of September 28th, 2021, and episode number 493, and this is your host, Dr. Brian D. Parsons, and we are live on the Paranormal King radio network at ParanormalKing.com. I hope you are. Uh, we had a little snafu last week, which is the, uh, I always say it, it's the beauty of live radio. Um, that's some dead air for a couple of minutes, which, you know, it happens. It does happen, but, uh, got some chickens and, uh, took care of business during the week for the Skype God. So we should be good to go. It's been chilly all week, chilly at night. And, uh, it was pretty decent today, but, uh, the leaves are falling in the backyard. I'm not happy about that. Need to, uh, do a little mowing slash mulching on those leaves but falls around the corner and tonight being september 28th is the last show of september and we officially move into i know uh a week ago uh wednesday was the first official day of fall but uh, i think we've been in denial as uh, we usually are about fall coming so i think uh, it's, it's finally hitting and when the calendar officially flips yeah it's officially, it's really officially fall. But the, the good news is it's Halloween season too. So we get all those cool movies on TV. Um, I guess all the streaming services nowadays that we get to watch for the whole month, which is uh, pretty cool. I'm missing some of those movies I haven't seen in uh, quite a while. So here I'm sitting in the uh, studio, sipping my hot apple cider, a cinnamon stick, uh, spice pumpkin filling the air in the studio just to set the mood. Actually, no, not really. I'm thinking, what am I drinking here? Uh, great powder, uh, Powerade. And I think that's my gym clothes that are smelling up the room. Uh, anyway, uh, tonight we've got some interesting stuff. A lot of cryptid. It seems like this year has been very cryptid heavy on the news, which is okay. Uh, even though we've had some very large... UFO news to boot. Uh, but uh, let's see. Uh, anomalous notes. Yeah, quick reminder again for uh, if you haven't heard. I don't know if you've heard. If you've not listened to the show. My first live appearance since 2019. I'm excited about it. The Westerville Public Library on October 18th, which is, uh, again, that's North east of columbus ohio and uh, if you're anywhere on the east coast you're within a few hours of that area um, be sure to go to the uh, library website westerville public library website and uh, sign up that you're going to be there uh, they keep track of uh so got to register so they keep track of registration so they know how many people are going to go and they usually let me know hey you're doing good hey you're not uh, there's nobody coming so just stay home that's never happened but um you know this with this time that we're in last year uh was a definite no-go i uh, stayed at home and i did it uh, online which 
not that many people showed up to that because it's a different thing. And I, I kind of don't blame them. I probably wouldn't have done it either. Sitting in your jammies in your in your home watching uh, somebody talk about the paranormal isn't the same as sitting in, in the library and, and getting that whole experience. But uh, this year I'll be live so far. We'll see what happens between now and then. And we're going to be talking about the unexplained cryptozoology, ghosts, UFOs, and more. What are the facts? I don't know what the more is going to be. I'm still uh, designing the uh, PowerPoint and kind of throwing together some interesting tidbits, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, so we got 493. I got to think about that. When would episode 500 be? We're closing in. I haven't really talked about it yet. I don't know what we're going to do. Probably nothing. Uh, well, yeah, gosh, that would be uh, right around Thanksgiving. It would be the week of Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's pretty good, yeah. Because uh, uh, going to uh, miss next week, so a quick programming note. I will not be here next week. So, yeah, it looks like I'm on pace for a Thanksgiving 500th celebration. Maybe we'll do a uh, a parade with balloons and stuff. I don't know how that would work. Anyway, um, yeah, so the Westerville Public Library wrapped that up. Uh, 13th consecutive appearance. It's pretty good for a, a library. Uh, that's it for all that. Didn't have time to update the uh, Paranormal Cops' conventions. Um, I got an email, weird email. Somebody kind of, I think it cut off, and I didn't get information about an event. Uh, something was changing with the event. I don't even know what the event was. Uh, I responded, but not got the email back. So I don't know what's going on. But uh, trying to keep track of that to make sure that, uh, for the most part, this stuff is updated. But uh, you kind of... I'm kind of waiting until like almost a week before with some of this stuff uh, because it seems like there's still a lot of stuff being canceled. So as I've been saying for the last year, year and a half, be sure to uh, keep in touch with those who are putting on these events, these paranormal conferences and conventions. Uh, be very wary because a lot of these are taking your money and then saying, well, we're not going to cancel. We're going to postpone. So therefore, we're going to keep your money. And some of these are going on two and three years now that they've been postponing. So uh, be very careful who you give your money to and what kind of reimbursement situation uh, can happen with that. So you're not left uh, without your money. And, you know, this uh, conference seems a lot better than it used to be. There used to be a lot of that stuff. A lot of scam artists, uh, including uh, some of the uh, TV people, were scamming people out of money. So things are a, little, a lot better nowadays, but uh, still be warned with uh, COVID and shutdowns and mask regulations and people being jumpy about clothes and stuff, um, as, as well as right now, a uh, worker shortage, which is really crippling everything, it seems like. Um, just be, be aware that uh, a lot of this stuff is uh, getting fishy and you have... You know, when you put PayPal in the middle of that, sometimes they're uh, not the greatest to reimburse with these things. Uh, I shouldn't say that. Sometimes they're pretty good, but um, just got to be aware of the people that you're dealing with. Um, keep track of all the information. Usually uh, social media is the best place. Most of these events are centered on Facebook anyway. And 
<laughs> I think that's it. Yeah, un- unfortunately, we're going to talk about this certain subject that people don't want to hear about, but we're going to talk about it anyway. Uh, cryptid news. We'll jump into that as always, leading it off. And I've talked about this time and time again all this year, a little bit last year as well, that uh, 2019, looking back two years ago, that was the year of the mysterious alligator sightings. Uh, uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, was there five or seven alligator, random alligators just popping up everywhere? Uh, Multiple other northern United States states were um, seeing random alligator sightings. And, of course, the highlight of the year, Chance the Snapper, which was his uh, pretty much official name. He's got a uh, Wikipedia page. It's got to be real. Uh, Chance the Snapper. An alligator that has a, a Wikipedia page. I don't even have a Wikipedia page, but an alligator has a Wikipedia page. Anyway, uh, Chicago, a thing was uh, captured the world's attention until it itself was captured. And also made uh, Frank Robb, who came in kind of the last minute, uh, replace the uh, typical herpetologist that's in charge of capturing alligators in that area. Uh, Frank Robb became a celebrity. He's famous in the Windy City. He's got a key to the city and everything. I think he wears it around his neck. It's giant. It's about two feet long. Um, got to throw out the, the ball first pitch at the Cubs game. And he's got uh, you know women following him all over the place. And just uh, a big celebrity. Uh, so that was a big year. Uh, this year, the uh, I don't know, it's weird. It's not like this is a new thing because these sightings have been going on for a long, long time, probably because I talked about it. Now I just notice it's happening a lot more, um, probably the psychological effect there. But it uh, seems to be the year of the serval, so the escaped African servals, these funny-looking, big-eared, small cats. We shouldn't really call them small. They're about two feet tall. A lot bigger than your typical house cat. A little bigger than, a little bigger than a fox, I guess. A uh, national story out of Atlanta, Georgia, brought attention to this topic uh, a few months ago uh, about owning these exotic cats. People were arguing, as they do when things pop into the media uh, and social media. Of course, everybody never agrees. Everyone has a stance. Everyone has an opinion. Of course, and uh, everyone's always right which is how it works. Uh, a woman woke up face-to-face with the, uh, the wild serval in Atlanta, Georgia, which is the scariest part of the whole thing. Not that it would have chewed her face off or anything, but I mean, I can't imagine waking up and seeing a very large exotic cat staring at me right in my face. Um, but, uh, you know, that one turned out somewhat okay. They captured the cat, and unfortunately the the girl who owned it, who was visiting, going to college in Georgia, who was from South Carolina, uh, was forced to forfeit the cat. At least that's the last I heard of it, and really the last I cared about that story, to be honest with you. Uh, uh, another series of sightings in Southern California recently ended with the owner stepping forward and the cat being returned safely. Um these cats are escape artists. They, they get out. That's what they do. And uh, 
those uh, the owners of that in Southern California thought that the cat was killed by coyotes, but uh, servals are pretty savvy. Savvy cat. I mean, they're cats. Uh, cats, you know, they have nine lives. I don't know how what an, a wild African cat may have like eighteen. I don't know. Um, but uh, this week we've got another escaped serval. This uh, African cat escaped from a Huntsville, Alabama pet store called 256 Exotics. And this exotic pet store focuses on reptiles and amphibians. Although I looked uh, at their website, there's a lot of smaller birds and animals that are, uh, none of which are really non-native. I should say none of which. There are some uh, Florida soft-shelled turtles. And, a few, and there's a few turtles that are native. A lot of these snakes are not native. Uh, they also sell savannah cats. Big surprise. And savannah cats are cats, again, that are bred with servals. And there is like a grading scale. So, and, uh, you know, I think it's, was it the lower, the number, the closer they are, or the high? I don't know. Something like that. But, uh, the, yeah, the grading scale shows that the, how close they are to being wild servals. So, uh, you know what you're going to pay? You pay a little bit money for more money for those, obviously, than you would a uh, one that's kind of watered down. I guess uh, you would say that. Um, and Alabama. So Alabama is one of, speaking of 18, Alabama is one of the 18 states that does not require a license to own a serval. And we know that South Carolina is another one. I don't know what the other 16 of them are. I'll have to look that up. Uh, but it looks like they may be breeding the serval that's my guess. Yeah, they're breeding these uh, servals to create savannah cats, which are uh, they're still very popular. I know, what, 10, 15 years ago, they were, they were the rage. Everybody had to have a savannah cat. They were all over Facebook and all social media. Everyone was going crazy about these savannah cats. Uh, Carol Baskin, you remember her of the Netflix documentary Tiger King? Uh, her fame, uh, she got a little attention from this story and kind of weighed in on Facebook on the escape of these animals. Uh, so she came on Facebook and said the uh, USDA should cite this facility and seize the exotic cats to send them to legitimate sanctuaries that do not buy, breed, sell, or allow public contact with wild animals. It's not that these animals belong in cages. It's just that it's not legal to release them because they're not native to the U.S. They're native to Africa, and since these cats were born in the U.S., they can't be released to Africa. They're stuck in a cage for the rest of their lives. But at least if they go to a legitimate sanctuary, you're not adding to the problem, as they are in these breeding facilities, unquote. Uh, so Carol seems a little upset about this, and uh, you know I, I do agree. And again, I made the assumption, and I'm probably correct, that these servals, they're not listed as for sale on the website. So that just leads me to believe that uh, they're being used to create more savannah cats. And it's, it's uh, the uh, 256 Exotics was created by a woman who started, uh, she started out by uh, breeding, I think it was snakes. She was breeding her own snakes to sell. 
And now it's a full-fledged exotic pet store where, you know, in that state, you don't need a license to own it stuff. So whatever she gets, she's turning profit. So if she's, you know, can breed these cats, then why not? Um, in her eyes, in my eyes, I think it's, it's uh, really not a smart thing. And you're, you're creating more problems. I mean, more power to you for owning a business and doing what you like to do. Uh, but I think there's some, some ethical concerns here uh, that, that go beyond all that. And, you know, people just get, they get these animals on a whim. Hey, I saw a Savannah cat on the Discovery Channel today. I'm going to go buy one. And they run down there and they buy it. And then after a couple of days of it ripping their furniture apart and tearing through their screen door and trying to get out every five seconds, they realize they, they didn't want the cat. Ah, just, just, just open the door and let it go out. And then here we have these wild cats running around. Well, uh, Carol Baskin also added um, that the, some of these, these cats, these are wild creatures, wild animals, not domesticated cats. Uh, so if they do get uh, diseases, there's, there's no way to uh, – you can't give them shots for regular, you know, regular animals, regular cats. Uh, so you have most of the stuff that's created for uh, all these diseases, like rabies, I think was the example. Uh, rabies shots are designed for domestic cats, not African servals. You know, it may or may not work on a savannah cat, depending upon the grading, I, I suppose. But uh, you're messing with nature here, and you're you're messing with the health and welfare of uh, those you live in with and you know, maybe your neighbors. And there's a big responsibility in owning a, an exotic pet like this. And, you know, this just kind of goes to show you that even a professional pet store, that that's their job to, you know, keep these animals safe from themselves and the general public and the general public safe from them can't even contain these animals. So what does that tell you for you know, Ed is going to go buy one and, and keep it in his in his uh, basement. You know, how long is that going to last? Um, so I think that puts an exclamation point on there. But so I actually agree with Carol. I think that's uh, I mean, seizing these animals might be a little extreme. But uh, I think the state and other states that don't have these heavy regulations need to take a look at that and need to think about, you know, what that could cause. And and hey. If you charge for these, uh, charge licenses and permits, you're going to make money. Why these states don't want to make money and keep uh, their citizens safe and, and be responsible to the environment at the same time. And in case you're wondering, the cats were captured and were brought back to the facility last Wednesday. So they're home safe and we'll just sit and wait for the next escaped Serval. And on the lighter side of escaped exotic animals, I was a little shocked. Well, maybe not shocked, a little surprised actually to see a story that was uh, very close to home on the topic. And uh, what I mean by close to home is uh, physically close to home. Uh, an emu was reported to be on the loose in the Willoughby Hills area of Northeast Ohio. And Willoughby Hills is a place that I travel 
through twice a day as I travel to work. Uh, so traveling to and from work, I passed through that area. I grew up probably about 15 minutes away from that area, which is pretty cool to see that a wild animal was on the loose. Uh, emus can be dangerous, but they're just fun to look at. Um, an emu, if you don't know what it is, I'm sure you do, because I'm sure you've seen it on TV a million times, uh, especially if you have, uh, I don't know, it, it, some of these streaming services, they play these commercials constantly. Uh, so you've probably seen the uh, uh, the annoying commercials fe featuring uh, Limu Emu, Liberty Mutual, you know that thing, that emu? It's got the yellow gear on and uh oh yeah i forgot about doug limu emu and doug the mutual liberty mutual commercials you don't remember that the the ones on the treadmill it's like who's got the bird legs now okay it's not funny it wasn't funny then it's not funny now but anyway uh emu is a flightless bird from australia and uh very similar to the ostrich not exactly an ostrich but pretty similar they kind of look like each other um, luckily, this uh, story turned out good. Uh, the emu was captured within hours of escape due to uh, a pretty good solid network of people. And the uh, Willoughby Hills Police Department utilizing social media to uh, get people to report this creature. Uh, so several sightings in the residential area kind of narrowed things down pretty quickly and uh, they were able to capture the emu and return it home. Uh, been looking through their Facebook page, trying to figure out who owned this, uh, if it was a wild, uh, some sort of sanctuary or exotic pet place, which really I, I don't know where you'd keep one in that area, but uh, somebody somewhere in that area probably has these wild animals. And they're not sure who or where, but they didn't release any of that information, which I think is kind of weird. Uh, so no specifics on who the owner was. And looking through that Facebook page, I also saw that earlier this month, I believe September 11th, the uh, same officers, well, officers for the uh, that police department, Willoughby Hills, uh, safely rescued a lost parakeet. They didn't know who it, who it belonged to. They just found it and rescued it. So, gosh, a lot of animal stuff happening in my own backyard. But... Uh, yeah, it's and it's weird too. I, I wasn't aware of of this again because I'm not really looking for emu escapes. Uh, but looking it up, looking up the story, and kind of looking to see if this was a hot topic anywhere else, I was quite surprised. It happens quite a bit. These birds get out uh, of enclosures pretty uh, pretty frequently, and uh, or escape escapees a lot. Uh, probably more so than servals, to be honest with you. But uh, don't worry, we're not going to be doing the emu escape of the week. Unless they uh, start escaping uh, a lot. Uh, folklore. Folklore. That's my segue. A pretty weak segue. Uh, local cryptid folklore. When you're talking about the United Kingdom, uh, pretty much every town has a creature named after it. Uh, every little lake, every river has uh, some sort of creature attached to it. Uh, whether, you know, it's a uh, 
combination like a man bear pig or a uh, some sort of flying dwarf or whatever it is uh historically they've Every area has had something, but, uh, you know, people don't take that seriously anymore in this digital age. So dwarves and other animals, uh, those sightings have really diminished over time. And to me, it seems like they've been replaced with other creatures like Bigfoot and, of course, alien big cats or what they're known as uh, phantom big cat sightings all across the United Kingdom. In a 42-acre area of ancient forest known as the Forest of Dean, was the scene for a sighting of a large cat by a couple uh, just a few days ago. So September 17th, around 7.15 p.m. local time, a, a sighting happened as a, a couple was driving home. Uh, they spotted a, a pretty much a flash and a cat flying across the road and as it crossed the road, it jumped over some hedges and disappeared into the night. Tracy Brown, who was one of the witnesses in the vehicle, described her experience by saying, quote, I was able to look back as he was driving and I saw the body for a split second and the tail and the back of its paw. It was very big, like a Great Dane. Big and with muscle. I saw the uh, curl up, which would be the, the tip of the tail, the curl up and tip of its very long tail. Uh, we slowed down, but there was a car behind us, but we wanted to stop. Unfortunately, we could not stop along the road because there were no paths. And by the time we got to a clearing, there was no way we could have seen him. We both looked at each other and said, did you see that? My husband said it was a big cat, and for a moment, I thought it could, be, could have been a Shetland pony. But the way it jumped, it was like the Puma logo cat with how it jumped, unquote. It's the uh, first time I've ever heard that. Puma cat logo, or Puma logo cat. I got plenty of those around. I like that brand. Um, kind of an interesting story. Uh, again, driving along, don't know how fast they were driving. That information's not there or how uh, well lit the road is. I'm going to guess there's probably no streetlights in that area. If there was any oncoming vehicles to provide any extra light to the scene, uh, I'm kind of guessing where I'm at here in Northeast Ohio uh, would be the same kind of diminishing light quality. At the time, uh, heavy, long shadows, which keep that in mind, uh, could have complicated what they would have seen. So the couple said they saw it for a couple of seconds. Uh, so the husband saw it for about two seconds. And Mrs. Brown said she saw it for a second. A second. Uh, she said she saw the back of its paw and that it was jet black. Uh, she also says she thinks it was a puma. She probably has a pair of shoes or a, a sweatshirt uh, with a puma on it. So, of course, uh, long tail puma. Uh, well, for starters, 
Now, the obvious thing here is they didn't see it very long. Uh, and again, it was uh, evening, sun setting, long shadows. Uh, don't know what direction they were driving into. Were they driving into the sun or away from the sun? Or, you know, which direction was this cat? Which, what were they seeing? Uh, because if the cat was in between them and the sun, of course, any cat would look dark or black. Uh, but it sounds to me like, uh, almost like they were past this thing, but it ran across the road almost. I, I don't know. It's confusing. Uh, again, they only saw it for a split second, and I would love to have heard his take on it. And unfortunately, what happens in cases like this where something is seen very quickly, and I'm speaking from experience of, of interviewing people after uh, events like this, uh, you'll interview the uh, one witness, and then you'll interview the other witness separately. Then you get them into the same room, and you start asking questions, and you quickly discover that their interpretation of events is completely different. So I would love to hear his side of it. Um, but uh, what also happens over time is that people talk about these things over and over again. And when you remember a memory, and this always kind of trips people out when I say this, but this is uh, true psychology. When you remember an event you're not remembering the original event as it happened. What you're remembering is the last time you remembered it, if that makes any sense. So uh, our memories are changed the more we revisit them, and they become what we want them to become. And it's that's really going down the uh, philosophical pathway here, but... Uh, who knows what they really saw? It's so quick. And again, the light, uh, the fading light of the evening, uh, you know, I don't know. They seem pretty convinced that this was a puma, which a puma is also known as a mountain lion, puma or cougar. Uh, puma is actually the correct name, I guess, but uh, there's hundreds of names for these cats. Uh, mountain lions are not native to the United Kingdom. They never were. Um, they did have big cats in that area, but but not mountain lions, not puma. Uh, the other problem here is that uh, puma, and I always get people that get upset when I say this and they want to argue with me, uh, call me wrong and everything. Uh, but puma, mountain lions, catamount, whatever you want to call them, uh, they've never been seen in the wild or in captivity as melanistic or black. Uh, but uh, at the right angle, they may appear to be nearly black. And, you know, I've had hunters, uh, people who have hunted for 40, 50 years, tell me I'm wrong. They see them in the woods all the time, and uh, they're black mountain lions. Well, that's great. You need to shoot it and, and prove to science because science says they don't exist. So if you've seen it, uh, you're, you're better than the millions of scientists that uh, study animals all over the world. Um but they've never appeared melanistic. And from what I've read about their DNA, uh, it's, it's actually pretty much impossible. And uh, probably if, if it is true that they did see a giant black cat darting across the road, that wasn't a house cat or a loose feral cat. Um, 
They do have wildcats that grow pretty big out there in the woods in the United Kingdom because, again, they don't have any natural predators. Uh, there's no uh, coyote. I mean, you do have wild boar out there, so I shouldn't say don't have natural predators because a uh, wild boar pretty much kill anything. Um, but these cats are breeding like crazy out there. And uh, plenty of food, mice, rats, lot to feed on. Uh, they do get pretty big, these feral cats. So it could have been mistaken identity. And again, even if they did see a giant black cat with a very long tail, more than likely a jaguar or leopard. Uh, so jaguars and leopards appear melanistic. And they're, they're collectively known as black panthers. A black panther isn't a species of cat. It's uh, just kind of a, uh, a term used for jaguars and leopards. But um, the black cats, uh, these melanistic cats, they appear more in captivity than they do in the wild uh, because of selective breeding. And they appear as melanistic in the wild due to uh, conditions, heavy jungles, um, so dark conditions, if they're living in the forest canopy generations, uh, it, uh, and they're seen more in leopards than jaguars. So leopards are the, uh, Asian and African large cats where jaguars are the Americas, South and North American animals and, and jaguars. I think it's only 7% that appear melanistic and leopards is only about 13%. Depends on where you're getting your information from, but it's pretty low. Uh, but you go to the zoos, and it shoots up to almost 50-50 on these cats, uh, the melanistic ones. People don't care about the regular tawny-colored ones with the spots and the rosettes. They don't care about those. They want to see the black ones. Although these cats are not completely black, you can still see the rosettes in the, in the hair, uh, which people, some people are pretty surprised to find out. Uh, so what did these people see? Was it a true jaguar, leopard, let loose in the wild? Or was it a misidentification of a cat? So again, uh, selective breeding creates melanism. Uh, but if these cats are out there breeding in the wild, uh, United Kingdom, not that heavy in canopy. Uh, so the conditions wouldn't be very... Uh, positive for melanistic cats to continue breeding. So they would eventually breed back into uh, these regular tawny-colored cats. And uh, your regular cats aren't going to have black paws. So seeing the back of a, a paw uh, that's black is, is pretty telltale, but not conclusive. Uh, there's some other questions that I would love to ask them, uh, but who knows? I'm not paying them to... Uh, give a response, they probably wouldn't talk to me uh, like they did the uh, Sun and all the other uh, newspapers that they talked to for you know a few bucks here and a few bucks there about their story, but uh, that's all speculation, Brian. That's not nice to say that. Um, so, again, you know, and I've said this before about these large cat sightings, I, not that I don't dismiss it or that I doubt that it's happening. I'm sure there's could be some large cats that have lived on from uh, you know, 30, 40 years ago that were dumped out 
uh, when the government imposed the uh, strict ownership laws on exotic animals. Uh, so again, back then, uh, private owners had to uh, decide, you know, am I going to turn over my cat or just drive up in the countryside and let it loose in the wild so I don't have to pay uh, fees and fines or upgrade my living conditions to include being able to take care of an exotic cat? Um, but, it, you know, if that's the case, then what about all these monkeys and other creatures that have been let loose over the years as well? You know, we talk about them here all the time on the show about alligators and emus and and servals escaping and, and being seen and being documented. But we don't really get that depth with these creatures in the United Kingdom. Yeah, every now and again, we do get photographs. Uh, we've had a few hoaxes. So we had the one guy who had a, a cutout of a black cat got caught. Uh, we've got fake videos, we've got fake uh, photographs showing up all the time, but you know nothing conclusive. So it makes you wonder. Uh, and also, why are there no telltale signs that the, a large cat was in the area? And I'm talking about uh, uh, kills, so deer kills, uh, livestock kills. Uh, if this was a mountain lion, so mountain lions... Uh, will drag their prey up into a tree, unlike um, uh, leopards and jaguars who, uh, well, I guess mountain lions don't always do that. They will cover their, their kill. So why are we not seeing partially covered deer? Uh, why are we not seeing uh, these large claw marks? Uh, why are we not seeing, uh, and unfortunately, one of the telltale signs is uh, collisions with vehicles. I've mentioned this before uh, about the... Um, Mountain lion that wandered all the way from South Dakota that got hit by a car. You know, why are we not seeing that happening on the roads of the UK? Not that they're crazy drivers. I'm just saying it's just, uh, unfortunately, uh, a driver just hit, uh, a couple of days ago, hit a young kid, thought he hit a mountain lion in Nebraska. And people in Nebraska were like, yeah, kid, stop drinking. Um... We don't have mountain lions. Yeah, they've been seen since 1991. They were documented in being in Nebraska, but it's a pretty rare occurrence. Uh, however, uh, they, they discovered hair in the grill that they tested and found to be from a mountain lion. So they knew the story was true. Uh, they used a, a drone with uh, infrared sensing capabilities and found a heat signature high up in a tree. And lo and behold, they found the carcass of a mountain lion. Uh, so these things are being hit here. Why are they not being hit in the United Kingdom? Uh, they don't have maybe as many roads. The cars are a little smaller, I guess. I, I don't know. But you'd think you'd still see some sort of telltale signs or documentation such as photographs, videos, um, uh, camera footage from... Uh, I'm sure they use trail cams as much. They have deer there, I'm sure they do that as well. You can buy a trail cam in the United Kingdom, I'm pretty sure. Uh, so why are we not seeing this stuff? That's my question. Um, and like I said, I think it's kind of the new version of the old folklore of all these strange creatures that are, you know, these stories were told by tribes and handed down and, and spread to other tribes in other towns. 
uh, about these crazy creatures that they have in their own backyard. You know, everybody's got to have their own mascot for their town. Um, but we'll see. Uh, we've only seen random fleeting sightings, but hopefully we get some sort of physical evidence. But again, still makes for an exciting prospect that large cats have been able to blend into these ancient forests for decades and might be uh, living undetected. That's uh, kind of a cool story, if it's true. And speaking of cool stories, if they're true, and talking about things that people may not want to hear about all in one, uh, the Loch Ness Monster, that's right, you thought you were going to go uh, an entire episode without hearing about the Loch Ness Monster, but uh, think again. Uh, this week, a canoeist. People still use canoes? Yeah, they do. I, I've seen a few. Uh, Richard Maver posted a video of a uh, personal drone footage to his YouTube channel, Richard Outdoors, where viewers quickly pointed out uh, at around uh, 3 minutes 50 seconds into a video, uh, they spotted a strange shape that can be seen under the water. And of course, you know, everybody's, uh, they use that red circle. I can't stand that. I never use red circles in my pictures, ever. I use green arrows. Um, it's not a DC thing. Anyway, uh, so uh, viewers spotted this strange shape under the water. Uh, Maver was in the area canoeing for charity. Uh, he decided to take out uh, his drone and fly it over uh, the beach he was at to get some 4K drone footage, some aerial footage. Uh, it was in this footage. It looks like the drone was high up and it started coming down. And you got to just the right angle. And you could see the, sh the shape underwater. And it's legit. There's something there. Um, I don't think it's faked. I don't think it's CGI. Uh, it looks to be legit. And uh, I do have that in... Throw that in the chat room. Let me say it, let me say it that way. I do have a picture of it, and I'll share it in chat. This one has got the green arrow. I don't like the red circles. If you got to draw a circle on something, I don't think it's really there. But uh, there you see it. Looks like the Loch Ness monster. It's got the long neck, long tail, kind of a chubby body there. Uh, you can see the the uh, kayaks up there on the beach. Uh, they claimed there was no driftwood, which, of course, that's not driftwood. That's something underneath. That could be anything, really. Uh, and I've done my fair share of kayaking over the years. Uh, to me, that looks like a submerged log or tree. Uh, could be a small sandbar uh, because you see a lot of waves, and the object is uh, kind of in the same direction of the waves. So to me, it's probably a raised section of sandbar it's probably created because there is a uh, piece of sunken tree there or rocks there and the sand will eventually take that shape of the underwater object it's pretty common uh, it does look like waves but watching the video the video is a little bit better because you can see the the object is is there now, the object doesn't move but 
Yeah, I don't think it's just sitting there under the water. It's definitely under the water. It could even be. Uh, I watched it one time, and I watched it about wasn't the whole screen. So you usually zoom in, or I watch these on full screen. Uh, but I was watching it uh, close, and it kind of, to me, almost looked like a reflection of the water because you don't see it until it gets to a certain elevation. So I'm almost wondering if it's a reflection off of uh, the beach because I think the beach is pretty steep in some areas. So I think it could be uh, just a reflection of the water as well. Um, but uh, I would put the Loch Ness Monster submerged pretty far down on the number of uh, explanations that uh, could be of this video. I would say sunken tree with uh, with a little bit of sand around it pretty high up. And you could easily take this footage and somebody could go to that beach and they could figure out uh, the direction. I mean, you have to figure out where the angle is of this drone looking. And they can go out there and they can look under the water to see if there's an object there. Uh, we could also replicate this same time of day same weather conditions using a drone to see if maybe we see some water reflections as well. But to just make that assumption, it's the Loch Ness Monster with nothing to back it up. It doesn't float to me. Doesn't float to me. And uh, I tell you, that's uh, most kayakers or canoeists, if you're on a lake, uh, you tend to stick to the outsides. It's pretty rare that you go through uh, the center of a lake. Uh, I don't really care. I do it myself, but you, you're, you got to be careful of, you have to know what uh, types of boats are, are on that lake. Uh, I wear bright orange. So people see me from a distance. Uh, I don't want to get run over. I've been on uh, unlimited lakes where people, you know, have jet skis and race boats and they're going uh, pretty fast. 60 70 miles an hour on the water uh they're not gonna be able to move and zoom and you know i don't want to get hit by something going that fast i'm going i'm going barely wind speed i'm going like five miles an hour 10 miles an hour in this thing uh, in my kayak when i'm paddling fast it feels like and you get passed up by everybody pontoon boats go flying by me pretty much uh, so you generally stick to the outsides of bodies of water and that's one of the dangerous things about kayaking close to shore. There are a lot of trees that just sit under the surface. And a lot of times you don't see it until it's too late. Uh, water is generally clearer along the banks and unless it's windy uh, and the uh, silt and stuff is getting mixed up. But there are plenty of times where I didn't spot a tree and uh, kind of hit it floating over it. So these things do happen. And uh, I've seen this also on beaches. I, I grew up near Lake Erie, so I'm used to seeing how submerged objects gather sand like this under the surface. So I, I don't think it's the Loch Ness Monster. It looks like the Loch Ness Monster, but that doesn't mean that it is. And uh, so far, checking the official Loch Ness Monster sightings register, this sighting is not an official sighting. So it doesn't add to the list of sightings that uh, have been have been captured and speaking of speaking of sightings that have been captured uh, we've got a new ufo video that's uh 
creating a lot of uh, speculation. Of course, they always do. They always create a lot of speculation. This one is uh, really interesting, uh, although it's not one that we haven't seen before. So this is actually a fairly common thing. Uh, I wouldn't say it happens. I wouldn't say it happens every year. Maybe every other year we get a video like this or we get a photograph of something like this. And of course, it starts from TikTok. Because everybody uses TikTok and everybody takes everything they see on TikTok as being real. So a TikTok video has sparked a lot of speculation. A lot of people are saying the United States has captured a UFO or has reversed UFO technology. Uh, the video shows a strange shaped object that looks like a UFO strapped to the back of a flatbed trailer. And of course, it's not covered up because why would they cover it up? Uh, you know, it's, you know, top secret, reverse engineered, uh, highly technological craft. You know, why would we, uh, you know, why would we bother covering it up? So, of course, it's got to be real because they, you know, they forgot to cover it up. Uh, do have, well, it's not uh, zoomed in, but here's a, um, it's kind of out of, actually out of an article. Oops. Messed that up. Uh, it shows this uh, UFO strapped to the back of a truck, and it looks like it's on some sort of little frame underneath it. It's uh, yellow. It's a really weird-shaped craft that's uh, strapped to this trailer. And, again, a lot of speculation behind what it is, what it could be. Uh, a few different people were uh, reached for their opinion on what this was, and nobody really knew what it was. It doesn't really match anything else. Uh, that we've seen over the years. And uh, internet sleuths, of course, try to figure out at least where the video was taken. That didn't take too long. Uh, Ruben Hoffs worked uh, that the uh, picture shows in the background there. You see this like uh, weird scaffolding thing. Uh, that's a uh, from a radar uh, section. And it matches up to uh, what's seen at the Hellendale Radar Cross-Section Facility in the Mojave Desert in California. So the roadway, the angle, everything matches up. Uh, so we discovered that. Uh, I don't know why we just couldn't have asked the TikToker where they saw this. But, uh, you know, we, we've got to take the hard way. Um, the hard way home, I guess. Uh, so, yes, it's the Hellendale Radar Cross-Section Facility in uh, California, uh, a few of the articles covering the story state that the facility is a secret base located near Lockheed Martin's Skunk Works headquarters. Uh, well, first of all, the base is not top secret. You can look it up. There's a phone number if you want to call them. It's not top secret. It's well known. It's not blurred on Google Maps. It's right there. Uh, they have an address. Uh, you can actually go there and visit the location if you want to. Uh, I don't know if you can get a tour. But uh, it's not it's not top secret. It is secret. You're not going to get in there. You're not going to look at the airstrip. Uh, you're probably not going to see uh, testing of aircraft there. That's probably not going to happen. Uh, but uh, the base is actually operated by Lockheed Martin. So they do take uh, test craft out there all the time to test it and to shake it down. Uh, the base itself has a, a long history of testing 
stealth and drone technology, uh, as does uh, Lockheed's Martin Skunk Works uh, that's developed uh, the U-2 spy plane, the SR-71 Blackbird, uh, one of my favorites, the F-117 Nighthawk, uh, the F-22 Raptor, and so on and so forth. And those are uh, stealth fighters, but they've been developing drones for, I think, about 15, 20 years now that they've been testing out there. And that's just one company. And we've seen in the past a lot of videos and a lot of photos. I remember uh, a few years ago there was uh, literally a dozen different stories over two weeks of people seeing this uh, look like a genuine UFO strapped on the back of a uh, flatbed trailer. It was uh, seen in Kansas of all places. I think it was even seen near Washington, D.C., which sparked speculation. Uh, it was seen all across uh, the United States and finally in California when it was revealed that it was a, a Northrop Grumman X-47B unmanned aerial vehicle. And you know, it took two weeks for people to figure it out, and everyone was speculating there's a UFO. So if they're going to have a UFO, I don't think they're going to have it just strapped to the back of a flatbed with nothing covering it up. I mean, maybe. Maybe you would do that to keep it in broad daylight to kind of fool people. But uh, it's probably likely this is a, uh, a test craft, uh, probably a new drone prototype. Uh, although it could be just a part of an aircraft that we just don't really recognize because it's only a piece. Uh, could be something else entirely. May not even be an aircraft, may not even be a drone. Uh, but it could be, uh, I'm guessing, maybe a, a part or a piece, the way it's sitting on that trailer. I think it maybe it attaches to something else. So uh, we don't know. We haven't heard anything. Uh, but I'm sure the truth will come up. And we'll get to the bottom of that, hopefully eventually, like they say. Uh, but uh, if it is an aircraft that's missing its wings, it could be a wing itself. It could be a, a piece or a part and, of course, we're only seeing one side. It really didn't even watch the video. The video, I only saw, like, it kind of jumped around on me on my computer. So I, I didn't really see the whole thing. But you don't, I don't think you see the other side of it. So you don't really get the entire picture of what you're looking at here. Uh, it doesn't look, it doesn't look airworthy. It almost looks like it's a uh, kind of a blade. Because the other side could look like what you're looking at there on the, on the left side of it. So uh, I don't know. It may not even be a, any kind of plane at all, but the fact that it comes from uh, a company that designs all this stuff, Skunk Works, uh, Lockheed Martin, could be some sort of, uh, I would say, unmanned aerial vehicle type of thing. But we'll see. Uh, speculation. It's been about a week now. I haven't heard anything. Nothing developed. Nobody stepped forward. Nobody said anything. Uh, people that uh, cover military things uh, still don't know what it is, but I think maybe we're looking at it wrong. And assuming that it's some sort of plane. And speaking of military uh, applications, uh, really interesting story, uh, kind of on the lighter side of UFOs to wrap up this week's show. Uh, I thought this was pretty funny. Uh, kind of was a story I was just kind of, eh, I'm not going to talk about. But I, the more I think about it, I think it's kind of funny. It kind of goes with the... Uh, how people view this uh, branch of military. 
Uh, it comes from the website Giant Freaking Robot. Freaking Robot. Isn't that a movie company? Don't they produce movies, I think? Uh, anyway, uh, they have an article, and they show photographs of the new dress uniforms that are going to be used by the United States Space Force. I don't know why I'm still embarrassed by that. I just don't understand why we have a Space Force. Anyway, uh, the uniforms resemble, if you've seen these, uh, i got a picture of it I'll throw in the chat room here. In a second, uh, the uniforms resemble some that we've seen in the past. And yes, they've come from TV shows, believe it or not. Uh, so the United States Space Force is the sixth division of the U.S. Armed Forces and is a sister branch of the Air Force. Uh, the branch released prototype pictures of their new dress uniforms at the Air Force Association's Air, Space, and Cyber Conference taking place in National Harbor, Maryland. Uh, the uniforms have a striking resemblance to the 2004 reboot of Battlestar Galactica. Uh, certainly not the uh, 1978 version, uh, which were... Actually, they were the same color, now that I think about it, but uh, not close to uh, what they were, uh, what they are, I should say, in the, the reboot, which I never really got into. Uh, I was a big fan of the original one. I grew up on that, except for the Twinkie character. I didn't really like him at all. Uh, the the uh, Space Force uniforms are a deep navy blue, and they have six silver buttons that go in a diagonal pattern from uh, near the right shoulder down toward the left waist area. Because that's the best way to describe it. Uh, the article shows pictures of the actors. You have Edward James almost there wearing the, uh, the men's uniform. And uh, they do have a women's uniform as well. Uh, from the Battlestar Galactica show as, uh, as well as these, the people actually displaying these uniforms at the conference. Uh, the uniforms... Pretty consistent dark blue, navy blue, a little darker than the ones used on the TV show Battlestar Galactica. Uh, but the uh, the way the uh, you'd say triangular shape on the on the body is is pretty similar. And eagle-eyed viewers have picked up the same uh, the same pattern in uh, different movies, including uh, Star Trek: Wrath of Khan. That uh, William Shatner was wearing in that one. And very familiar. Also, somebody made the uh, connection that they look like the uh, the ones from uh, Return of the Jedi. That, uh, I don't know, it was used on, uh, was it, not Hoth. I forget where, but uh, a lot of people are making the speculation. But they do look like ones that are in use on Battlestar Galactica. I never really would have thought of that, but did they steal the uniforms? I don't know. And uh, William Shatner, of course, who's uh, 90 years old, is uh, going to make history. He's going to be the oldest person to go to space. He's going to boldly go where no old man has gone before, which is pretty cool. Uh, as for me, that's it for tonight's show. I appreciate everybody showing up in chat. 
And uh, I will be uh, taking next week off. Thanks, work. Appreciate you guys for scheduling me late. Anyway, yes, no show next week. I uh, appreciate everybody coming out and listening to the show. I'm going to head on over, change the channel to uh, the Mallard Report. Jim Mallard, I'm going to tune into that, get some controversial subjects that we're going to talk about over there. Looking forward to that. Um, well, he's going to. I'm going to be tuning in. I might call in. I don't know. But anyway, keep your eyes in the skies, your ears in the woods. Look out for those servals. And keep the hair standing on the back of your neck. And always keep your mind slightly ajar. Above all else, don't be like Captain Kirk. And don't stop believing. For the Paranormal News Insider, this is Dr. Brian D. Parsons reporting. <laughs>